You're listening to Points Talk with the Travel Mom Squad, previously known as the Travel Hacking Mom Show. Follow the links in the show notes to stay up to date with what the Travel Mom Squad has been up to. Is London on your must-see list? Traveling across the pond to see iconic landmarks like Buckingham Palace, the Tower of London, and Big Ben, as well as magnificent museums and parks is the dream of many. We all love London and are here to tell you all about how you can visit it too on Points and Miles. Welcome to the Travel Hacky Mom Show. We are three moms who've discovered how to leverage credit card welcome offers to get hundreds of thousands of dollars in travel expenses for nearly free. We've used credit card points and miles to take vacations to places like Hawaii, Paris, Greece, the Maldives, Italy, and so much more. And the best part? We each still have an 800 plus credit score. Imagine being able to book a vacation without having to check your bank account. It's totally possible and we're here to show you how. Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Pam, Alex's mom. And I'm Jess. We are travel hacking moms. Today is all about visiting London on points and miles. It is a favorite destination of all three of us at Travel Hacking Mom and a perfect starting point for a European multi-city vacation. So let's jump into how you can visit London on points and miles. First, we're going to start with flights with the queen of London travel, and that is Pam. She has a daughter, not Alex, who lives in London. And so she travels there frequently. And she is basically the expert on flights to London. And I think she's probably done almost every airline you possibly can to London. So Pam, tell us about all the different options to fly to London. Yeah, my daughter did a study abroad program um, in college. And she met her husband, who happens to be British, and they got married, and she's lived there now for like 18 years. I would say I go over probably at least once, more like twice a year. So I've been there many, many times. I'd say a big part of my love for travel came from just the fact that she was over there. So once you're over in London, it is so ideal to go to other places. And so when I would go visit her, we would take a little three-day trip to Italy, or we'd go to Croatia, or we'd go somewhere else. And so that made it, I think that really spurred my love of travel and my passion for traveling. As Jess said, I've traveled so many different flights to London, to get to London. And primarily, I'd say when I first started, it was always United. Um, I lived in Northern California. United was the only airline that we had that went out of our little tiny airport. And so I did many, many flights on either Economy or Economy Plus from our little airport of McKinleyville, California. And so that was how I usually did it. I got really good at knowing what the best seats on the planes were. Um, They definitely weren't business. And I can remember walking down past those business class seats and thinking, if only. And I remember going with you one time when we flew United. And this was back before. Do you remember when you could you booked your seat or you booked your ticket and you could pick any seat on the plane that was an economy seat? So it wasn't like if you booked the book one of the exit row or the bulkhead seats, you had to pay more. You would just had to be the first one to select them. Exactly. And I was always after that bulkhead seat. You were so good at getting the bulkhead seats. When we went, you got us the bulkhead seats. 
And if you're an economy, like that's the place to sit because you have so much more leg room. Exactly. So I got really good at that. And I used to just think, wow, what would it be like to be in those lay flat seats? And fast forward and we get into travel hacking. And now, honestly, that is the only way that I travel to London. I am so spoiled. And when I go over, it's usually a nighttime flight. So I definitely want a business class seat so I can stretch out and sleep. But even coming back, I know, Alex, you and your sisters will sometimes take an economy plus seat coming back because you say, hey, you know, it's daytime hours. I'm just going to watch TV anyway. And my problem is I know what's going on up there in business class. (laughs) And I've got that FOMO big time and I can't handle it. So I still, with the ability to keep getting more points and miles by signing up for more cards, I just make that a priority. And so I still have to, I have to fly to London, both there and back in um, business class. So after I moved over, um, I'd say probably still the bulk of my travel over to London has been in United. And I have found really good business class seats. I like Polaris business class product. I think it's a really good product. And I have been able to usually get it between 70 and 80K um, United miles. But as many of you know, United has increased the cost of a lot of their flights and that's not the case anymore. And so they're harder to come by. So I have been out and about flying with um, other airlines a lot more. So I would say the best deal that I got was the my most recent trip to London was with my sister and we did we went several other places, but I went on ANA and I used uh, American Express membership rewards transferring to NAA for business class seats. And it was 88K round trip. Now, that's amazing. 44K each way. And the even crazier thing is I was still in Polaris business class. I was still on a United flight. And so that is a incredible deal if you can find that. Uh, sometimes it can be hard to find. I don't know. We were very flexible with our dates. We didn't have, we just knew kind of the month we wanted to go. And I found it really easily, and I probably found it about four or five months out. So I don't know normally if it's, I would imagine it's usually harder to find and that maybe it was just beginner's luck. But that is the best deal if you can find that. I have also flown on Delta um, a couple times by utilizing their flash sales. And those usually run about 57K in business class if I can get a flash sale. And that's worked out really well for me, too. There was recently a flash sale on Delta to London from Salt Lake City. And it was an economy flash sale, but it was 40,000 points round trip, which is pretty unbelievable because that's usually one-way prices. Well, One-way prices with other airlines, but Delta's one-way prices are probably like 90,000 one-way in economy or something insane like that. So those Delta flash sales can be really, really good. So if you have either, you know, Delta Sky Miles or American Express membership rewards to transfer to Delta, like Delta's not usually typically great, but those flash sales can be really, really good. 
Yeah, I really like their flash sales, and that's really predominantly how I've ever used uh, my Delta Miles. They are sometimes known, uh, their Sky Miles are also called Sky Pesos, simply because sometimes they want like 300,000 miles for a one-way business classy. Yeah, I'm not going to ever do that. So, But flash sales, amazing deal. Another um, airline that I've flown a couple times is Virgin Atlantic. I flew them um, not too long ago, the, la- the previous time that I went to London, from London to Boston. Now, whenever you travel out of London Heathrow, you're going to pay more in surcharge and tra- excuse me, surcharges, and that's kind of a bummer. There's not a lot of getting around that unless you want to position from London on a cheap carrier to say somewhere like uh, Madrid or Paris or something, you might be able to save um, some in your surcharges. For me, it's another stop. I'm getting the flight for almost, you know, with points and miles and I just don't want to do another flight. So I'll just pay more in surcharges. I just know that's the cost of doing business in London. But I paid uh, Virgin Atlantic, London Heathrow to Boston. It was 57.5 thousand miles. And that is such a good price, too, that I didn't care if I had to pay three or four hundred dollars in surcharges. I know that's going to make some people, you know, think, no way, I would never do that. But, you know, you do what works out for you. I did just today look. And that's from Boston to London Heathrow in economy was only 10K um, on the dates I was looking at and $152 in surcharges. So you can find some really good deals on Virgin Atlantic. And I just have to say that Virgin Atlantic's business class was pretty sweet. I really liked it. It was a, it was a great deal. Another airline that I'm flying in December to London is Air France. Air France is really a great airline to get anywhere in Europe. And you can position by going into Paris and then taking a cheap carrier. But I found um, from Boston into London Heathrow for 69.5K and $200. Again, surcharges are a little bit more expensive. Um, usually it's going out of London Heathrow, but depending on the carrier, it might be going in there too. But, you know, anytime I can get in there for under 70 to 80 K thousand, I'm a happy camper if I can do that in business class. So that, that works for me. The nice thing about both Virgin Atlantic and Air France is all of the banks are transfer partners with them. So it's easy to earn a lot of points for both of those airlines. And I've booked Air France. Actually, I booked it home from London and it was on a Delta plane since they're all, they're in the same alliance. And it was for about 40,000 in economy. So maybe a little bit more in economy than some other airlines, but it was a direct flight from London to Salt Lake City. And seriously, the Del- Delta was charging 90,000 for the same exact flight. So I felt pretty good about 40,000 points in economy. And then what I actually did is a couple days before I noticed that the exit row was available and it was a seat with just two people. 
And so I paid maybe another $100 to upgrade to that exit row seat, which is, you know, basically like premium economy. So it was actually a pretty good flight. Yeah. And I, I know Jess has a way that she likes to get to London. She's going to tell us about this. And I am actually um, doing this in one of my flights that's coming up. And I think this sounds like a really great way. So Jess, tell us all about your favorite way to get to London. Yeah, So my favorite way to get to London or really anywhere in the UK, sometimes even in Europe, um, is the fifth freedom flight between Houston and Manchester on Singapore Airlines. So just if you haven't heard us talk about fifth freedom flights before, we love them. And the reason that it's a fifth freedom flight is because you're flying on an airline between two countries and neither of those countries is its home country. So obviously Singapore Airlines home country is Singapore and but I'm flying Houston to Manchester. The flight then goes on from Manchester to Singapore, but you could just fly that first leg of it if you want. So that's what I've done. We've done it a few times now. I have it booked twice for 2024 already. We are going to Scotland in March. And so we are flying from Houston to Manchester and then taking the train to Scotland. And then my mom and I are going to see Taylor Swift in London in August. And so we are flying this route from Houston to Manchester, and then we're going to take the train to London. So really a great way to get anywhere um, in the UK or Europe if you live in Houston or if you could position to Houston. Um, it is only 25,000 Singapore miles in economy or 81,000 miles in business class. Taxes going from Houston to Manchester are just going to be $5.60 for either of those. So super low taxes um, going to the UK. The thing I really like about Singapore, I know 81000 kind of like verging on a lot for business class. The nice thing, though, is that it is really easy to find availability with Singapore if you book ahead. And so... That is one of the, I feel like there's a, there's like a relationship where like the best deals with business class are the hardest to find availability. But like, if you can regularly find availability with Singapore for 81,000 miles, I don't think it's a bad deal at all. Um, it's an amazing airline. And so their business class is really great. And then coming home, it's the same, but the taxes are around $150, which is per person, which I still don't think is terrible coming from the UK. I have seen, I know British Airways in particular charges get a lot of taxes flying out of London. So yeah, a little bit more, but still not too bad. Um, so that is our favorite way. And like Alex was saying about Air France and Virgin Atlantic, Singapore is also a transfer partner of all four major banks. So really, really easy to rack up a lot of miles with Singapore. Hey, Jess, how long does it take you to take the train from Manchester to London? Do you know how long that is? It's not. I want to say it's like a couple of hours. It's okay, not. That's, that's not bad. And and really, really the ability to save on those, especially coming back to save on all those surge charges, those taxes and fees, that makes it such a viable option the train so much more relaxing than worrying about another flight being delayed or waiting around the airport. 
So I prefer to just fly into Manchester and take the train. And I usually just sleep on the train because I'm tired from the flight. And so, yeah, it's not bad at all. And the same thing, like we're taking it to Edinburgh and it's the same thing. It's like three hour, three, three and a half hours to Edinburgh. So it's kind of a nice midway point between the two. Yeah, I need to check into that. I think that sounds really great. So we're going to talk a little bit about hotels. Now, as I said, my daughter, Lindsay, lives in London. And so, of course, I am usually stay with her and I don't have need for hotel. But I'll tell you, this sometime, this last summer, London was hot. It was stifling. And London's one of those places that doesn't get overly hot. So not very many places have air conditionings. So every now and then I will be staying with her and I'll be there during a heat wave. And I'm like, there comes a point where I've got to go somewhere and get some air conditioning, get a good night's sleep. And so I am happy to then go to a hotel. Well, and I think you were texting us in real time and you were saying, I can't, I haven't been getting any sleep. It's so hot. And we were both like, Pam, why are you still at her house? Why haven't you checked into a hotel yet? Yes, the beauty of points and miles. So not only, you know, sometimes they just save you out of a situation that is is hard, out of an emergency, a great trip, or even just bad weather. So I have stayed, um, I think, in three of the four major brands. And that's one of the great things about London is that no matter what kind of points you have in whatever hotel, you're going to find a hotel there to stay at. So I did my, not this last stay, but the time before, I purposely hotel hopped all three um, different hotel brands, Hyatt, Marriott, and IHG. I didn't do Hilton. That was the only one that I missed. And on that trip, my favorite one that I went back to this trip was the Hyatt Regency Churchill. And I love this hotel. And it's a beautiful hotel. It's very grand, marble, kind kind of fancy. Um, But what I love about it the most Both times I've stayed there, they've given me a suite (laughs) and they are just so good about it. And I didn't even have to, you know, right off the bat, they just tell me, oh, I see that you're globalist. We have a suite for you. And then they have something special in the suite. And it's just a really beautiful hotel. It's very conveniently located. We walked all over London from it. It is 29K a night and it does have a club lounge. So that would be at like peak pricing though, right? Yeah. The 25. So standard 25. pricing for that one is 25. Yeah, yeah. And I've had to pay peak both times. Uh, maybe everybody else wanted to get out of the the heat. <laughs> so it does have a club lounge. The club lounge is really nice, serves a really nice buffet breakfast and also has hors d'oeuvres at night so that you can get hors d'oeuvres and cheese and crackers and um, desserts. And actually, my sister and I made a meal out of that in the um, in the evenings, too. So I 100% recommend that one. It's hard for me not to go there because they have a lot of suites. And so if you are globalist, 
you have a fairly good possibility of getting upgraded to a suite. But another hotel I love, love, love um, is also high, and that is the Great Scotland Yard. It's 25K standard pricing a night. That's what I paid when I been there. It's It, too, is in a really good location, especially if you're going to the theater. I stayed there by myself and went to the theater and felt fine walking back. It is just really a beautiful hotel. and. Uh, the the rooms were a little smaller than the suite that I stayed at the Churchill, but just so nicely decorated, heated hotel, heated toilet seats that recognize you when you walk in. Who couldn't love that? So it's it's beautiful. I agree. I have not stayed there, but it's funny because I just got back from London and we were. It's as you know, difficult to find a bathroom in London. And we were walking and we were about to pass the Great Scotland Yard. And I was like, let's go in there and use the bathroom in the lobby. And if anyone says anything, I'll just say I'm a globalist. And I was just wanted to check out the hotel for a potential future stay, which is true. That is not a lie. So we just walked in and pretended like we knew what we were doing. And they didn't say anything to us. And we used their beautiful bathrooms. Like not only was it a place to use the bathroom. They had beautiful bathrooms. Yeah. So I was actually asking Pam, I'm trying, I'm going back with my mom and I'm sort of torn. I have the Churchill booked. I know you said I should hotel hop, but the problem is I applied a sweet upgrade award. And so it's like, I, if I could get five nights in a suite with my sweet upgrade award, I don't really want to like hop and have to use two or like lose, you know? So Anyways, I think I'm going to stick with the Churchill because I heard that the Great Scotland Yard rooms are kind of small and my mom snores and I don't need to be like really close to her while she's snoring. But I definitely want to stay at the Great Scotland Yard at some point. It's adorable, isn't it? Did you go into like the restaurants or look at some of the places? Yes, we went went to the bathroom and then we, I kind of like poked my head around and looked at the restaurants and they looked really cute so and, the, and, it, and, and, and it's good yeah i agree with you that it's in a really good location so yeah so another place that i stayed when i did that three nights hotel hopping was a marriott and i stayed and i'm not i'm probably going to butcher the name i think it's the saint pancreas and this <laughs> the outside why are you it, laughing jess because isn't it just saint pancreas i don't think it's it's curvy i don't think it's like the organ (laughs) well i'm a retired nurse so maybe i'm trying to okay yes there is nikki it's just saint oh then i just spelled it wrong (laughs) the saint pancreas okay anyway this hotel from the outside and from the interior um main spaces is probably the swankiest hotel I've seen amazing, huge. I felt like it was kind of like Audrey Hepburn, Humphrey Bogart, you know, Casablanca vibes, the uh, main areas, the lobby. They have a chambers room where you can go and get treats. You can go, you go and have breakfast. And it blew my mind. I honestly walked into into it and go, I'm in love. This is my favorite hotel ever. And then I got to the rooms. 
and the rooms were so ordinary. Now, I did not um, get upgraded to a better room. I did have a sweet night uh, upgrade from Marriott that I wasn't able to use or I tried to use, but they would, couldn't find a room for me. So maybe I'd think differently if I was in a different room. But it's worth staying at if only for the common areas and just to, or, or just at least go in it. Go check it out. It is swanky. The only other thing is it's not in the most convenient location. It's not as convenient as some, as some of the other places, but I really liked it. It was pretty cool. And then the last place that I've stayed is um, I wanted to go to an IHG. And I had thought about the Kempton uh, Fitzroy, which I think Jess will talk about because I love Kimptons, but I decided that I would, um, there was an indigo that was closer to my daughter's. And so I decided to go to it. It's in Kensington, which is a really cute part of London. I paid 41K um, for my night there. It wasn't a huge room, but it was very boutique-y. It was all in grays and blacks and purples. I love the decor, kind of like I love the Kimpton decor the boutique vibe and so i thought it was really really cute um and you know if you're in that area i would recommend it too the interesting thing when you look at the four hotels that i've stayed at my hyatt hotels um were by were half the price almost of both the marriott and the ihg and that's why we love our hyatt so much because we get outsized value from them and we get upgraded rooms and we get free breakfast and so it's no wonder that if we're going to london you know unless i'm out there trying to do a little hotel hopping and doing a little research into other brands i'm always going to pick a hyatt so jess tell us about you and your stays yeah, so I most recently I stayed at the Andaz, um, which is a little bit further out, it's more east. So it's not walking distance to any of the main tourist attractions, but it is literally next door to the Liverpool tube station. And so while you can't walk too much, it is really, really convenient to be connected via train to all to wherever you want to go it is a category six hyatt and so it's also twenty five thousand points a night for standard award nights we stayed there because well i love andas but we were able to get the hyatt family plan rate so we were able to get we were able to book one room on points and then get a second room for 50 percent off the standard rate cash rate and so we got connecting rooms, um, a room for me and my husband, and then a room for our daughter. And they were, I loved it. They were great. They left like a little book about London and some chocolates in Molly's room for her. They left a bottle of champagne in our room. The breakfast was really great. The hotel's really cute and quirky. And so I really, really loved the Andaz. I would totally go back there. For, for me and my mom's trip, my mom has never been to London and I want to be a little bit closer to the main sites and we only need one room. And so that's why we're going with the Churchill for that visit. But 
I would totally stay at the Andals again, especially if you have a family and you can score that family plan rate. I think it's a really great hotel to stay at. The trip I just got back from just a few days ago, we stayed at the Kempton Fitzroy. That one is also in a good location. That one's right by the British Museum. And you know, with IHG, it's not it's not as predictable as with Hyatt because they don't have an award chart. They have dynamic pricing. And so when I initially booked it, I think it was around 82,000 points a night. And then I watched it and I got it down to 64,000 points a night. So that's your reminder with these hotels with dynamic pricing, especially with IHG, I like to watch it. And then if it goes down, I will modify my booking and get some points. back. So I got a ton of points back on that stay. I do not think I would return. It kind of reminds me of your Marriott experience where like the outside of the hotel is beautiful. The inside of the hotel is beautiful. Like they have some really cool restaurants and bars in there. But once you get to the room, it's kind of like, oh, this isn't like anything. Like that room could have been anywhere. That room could have been in Pennsylvania. And I would have been like, okay, this doesn't look like this isn't a London room, you know? And so it just didn't wow me. And there are so many options in London that I just don't think I will go back there. But there was nothing bad about it. It just wasn't my favorite. It didn't it didn't stick out. It wasn't memorable. So I'm excited to try the Churchill after hearing you talk it up so much. Hope it lives up to. Yeah, it's good enough for Pam. Good enough for Pam Jr. So (laughs) exactly. And one thing to remember too is that one of the things with traveling in London or in Europe is that they are really strict about their their room occupancies. So it's hard to go as a family, and you're not going to get away with sneaking your four kids into a room. They have fire laws. They're really strict. And so sometimes if you're going with a family, you may want to look at an Airbnb or something else. But if you're going with um, some friends and you can get two rooms like Jested or you're going as a couple or just with one friend, there is a multitude of great hotels to stay in in London on points and miles. And the Park Hyatt London is supposed to be opening in like in quarter one of 2024. So I'm surprised you're not going to cancel the trip chill and go to the Park Hyatt. I know. Do you think? Well, I don't think it's in a super great location either. Um, So I don't know, but maybe I should. Or maybe I should just go back to London a third time and (laughs) check it out. Well, let's move on to some of our favorite things to do. And London is a city where you can put the miles on walking. Jess just got through, she said, traveling there. And I laughed because I think you said you had 20,000 steps in one day. 23,000. Yeah. And I did close to that in the day that my sister and I uh, were there. You can see so much in one day. Now, we, I don't recommend you doing it quite as crazy as, 
as we were doing. Jess was there just for a couple of days. I was there just for a couple of days. And one of the days um, looked like rain. So my sister and I were really packing it in. But you can get out and about and see a lot. And a lot of it is walking. I feel like that the tube is really easy to use. We used it. I use it every time I go. I use it all the time. It's pretty simple. I think one of the reasons it's simple compared to, say, um, the metro in uh, France or something is because it's all in English. I can read the names of the, the streets, and it makes it a lot easier to use. And so it definitely shortens um, the way that you can get around. I have to plug this app that I didn't know existed until earlier this week. Just one of the one of my friends who was on the trip with us was talking up this app. It's called the City Mapper app, and it's free. And I downloaded it, and I feel really dumb for never using it in any of the big cities that I've gone to. But if you're going to London or any other big city, I highly recommend it. Like I said, it's free. You can plug in where you're starting, where you're going. It gives you all the public transportation options. It tells you like which side of the bus to sit on or what, you know, it's very detailed. And I agree with you that London is pretty easy to get around, but especially if you've never been before, it can get, it can take some getting used to. So definitely recommend the city mapper. Yes. My daughter that lives there uses that a lot, even herself to get around. And I also do a lot of Uber um, when I'm over there. It's like, okay, we need to get back from this place so we can get to the theater. And I don't want to go on the tube. And so we'll just grab an Uber. That works really well over there, too. So some of my favorite things to do are I love the parks. Hyde Park is huge. Um, it's beautiful. I love Green Park, St. James Park. I could honestly go sit at a park for half a day, take a book, and just people watch and enjoy myself there. And it's free. So that's one of my favorite things to do. They have amazing museums. I love the National Gallery. That's one of my favorites. Um, I'll get an audio uh, tape and go around and listen to some of the different, um, some of the information about the different uh, pictures there. Um, this last time I went to the Portrait Museum, and I'd never been there before, and I loved it. It was so much fun, and all these portraits of all these famous people, you know, and, and to hear more about them and to read a little bit about them. It was really a fun museum. And then one of my all-time favorite museums there is one that probably a lot of people don't know about. It's a little bit outside of the city. I always take the tube, and it's called the Imperial War Museum. It has, it is in, so impressive. I could go there and spend half a day there all about World War I, World War II, the most amazing Holocaust exhibit. Alex, do you remember when we went there? When we yes, went to I Alex? do. I was looking at your list here of things and I was remembering that Holocaust section of the museum and it was amazing. I think that was my favorite museum we did was the Imperial War Museum. Yeah, it's, 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 and I don't believe it costs anything. It's completely free. So it is, it, it's an incredible way to, to spend your time. Um, if you have time going to Churchill War Rooms, super interesting. I really thought that was interesting. I guess I kind of like Alex in that I like history 
and learning more about some of the wars and about our allies and stuff was just very interesting to me. My favorite place in all of London where I feel like I'm in London is outside the National Gallery at Trafalgar Square. I love to stand there and look out and see the double-decker red buses. Um, and I just it's just so iconic for me, and it's just one of my very favorite spots. I also really like uh, Covent Garden. That's an area where they've got a lot of really cute shops, some restaurants, tons of street performers. It's a real uh, popular spot in London, and I always love to go to Covent Garden. And then there, they have some markets that are really fun. I like to go to Portobello Market. It's kind of like a flea market where they sell all kinds of things. Love to go to Burrow Market, and it has t every type of food you can imagine there. And so we usually will go there for lunch one day. And um, just kind of walk around and get a little bit of this to eat and a little bit of that. But that is one of my favorite places, too. And then, of course, I love the theater. And an uh, interesting fact is it's much cheaper to go to the theater in London than to go in New York City. And so I usually always try to go to one or two shows when I'm in London because I can save on that. And so those are some of my favorite things to do. What are some of your favorite things to do, Jess? My number one favorite thing to do in London is the Tower of London. I've been there at least three times. I would totally go back. It's great for kids also. I'm going to talk about some more family-friendly things. I think Tower of London is great for people of all ages. I love that one too. And what it remind me, what are the names of the people that are dressed? You know, they're dressed in those clothes and they speak and they have little tours every now and then. The beef, on, right? The what? Aren't they beef eaters? Yes, yes. the beef eaters. Yes. yes. They are so good. And, and don't they come on like certain times they come out and you can go and listen to them speak? Yeah, and it's free. I mean, it's it's included with yeah, it's included. I loved that part. It was so interesting. And the thing that is always so crazy to me is that people in his like back then, everybody would go and watch the beheadings or go and watch the hangings. And it was like a social event and you'd bring your kids and you'd bring your lunch and just watch it. And it blows my mind. That was what really <laughs> stuck out to me when the beef eater was telling us about that, obviously. But that was one of my favorite things too. Not that, not the story. <laughs> That's a little crazy, but going and visiting. Yes. Going to Tower London was really cool. No, we took Molly there when she was three or four. And then we took her on our most recent trip when she was nine. And she loved it both times. Like I would, and I've gone there with just my husband and I, like I would totally. Like when I go with my mom next summer, I'm taking her to the Tower of London and we're going to go. Um, Did you go I, see the crown jewels when you were there? We didn't because we didn't want to wait in the line. We did. And Molly thought they were really cool because they're under these lights that make them just like sparkle so much. And yeah, so she thought that was really cool. I thought um, it was really cool just walking through the different rooms where the royalty lived. 
and even the hallways. And then you're, there was a time where I was just by myself, well, my, with my mom, walking through this hallway. And in my mind, I could imagine what it would have been like to be there at that time period. I could picture the people in that style of dress. And it just was really cool because I felt like it just was like going through this lens of seeing the past. So I loved it. Your side is coming out. Yeah. The history teacher me loves Tower of London. Um, Another one of my favorite things to do with kids is the London Transport Museum. It is super fun. And I had a lot of fun there. Molly had a lot of fun there. There's all the different types of transport and you can like go inside of it. And I think it's definitely geared more towards kids, but I would go there by myself. It's yeah. So that one is really fun. Of course, you always have to do afternoon tea in London. That is a must. On my most recent trip, we went to Fortnum and Mason and that was amazing. It was really cool. There is a hotel. It is called the Ampersand Hotel, and they have a kids' sci-fi afternoon tea. And like the tea tower is in the shape of a rocket ship, and they have like biscuits in the shape of dinosaurs. And it's just really fun for kids. Like if you wanted to do a little family afternoon tea. Um, that one is really fun. So the adults can get the adult tea and the kids can get their sci-fi afternoon tea. And that's just a really fun idea for families. And then my last one is the changing of the guard. But we went to the one at Windsor Castle because it's a little bit more manageable and less crowded than the changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace. Windsor is about an hour outside of London and we had the best time. Molly got to you can also get a lot closer to the guard there and Molly got to take a picture standing next to a guard like standing right next to the guard and she thought it was the coolest thing ever and then it's just a lot easier to see. You know when you're at Buckingham Palace there are so many people you're so far back you have to get there at the crack of dawn if you want a chance to even be able to get a glimpse at the changing of the guard. But at Windsor, it's not as crowded. And so it's so much easier to get a better view and to really see it up close. So we, and Windsor is such a cute little town. We we went there for the changing of the guard, but then we walked around. We uh, found a really cute little pub to eat in. And so you can definitely spend like half a day in Windsor just exploring. And that and Molly was like three or four when we did and she loved it. So that is another one of my recommendations. So we hope you enjoyed this review of one of our favorite and most visited cities in Europe. It is the perfect city to visit with points and miles, whether you are a family, a couple, or a solo traveler. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you would leave us a review and share it with your friends. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Travel Hacking Mom Show. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button from wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. Want to start jet setting even faster? Follow the links in the show notes to learn about everything we discussed in today's episode. And to stay connected and follow along, 
follow us on Instagram at Travel Hacking Mom. We can't wait to see where in the world points and miles take you.